Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is doing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. A happy Monday to you all. It's game week. It's really exciting. It's very exciting. I am just, my nipples are hard with just excitement. I am pumped up, in case you can't tell. But either way, it's a fun time right now to be a Razorback fan because you know that football's around the corner and you'll either have something to be excited about and hopeful for or something to be really pissed off and upset with. But I want to start with the big news coming out today that, yes, folks, you have a starting quarterback named. That's right. Game one. Dun, dun, dun! It's Ben Hicks. It's Ben Hicks. Uh, ben Hicks has been named your starting quarterback. And uh, Nick Starka will still play in the Portland State game. But as far as the player getting reps, game one, as the starter, it has been Hicks. Now, I have said on this podcast that it doesn't really matter who the quarterback ends up being as long as you win games. And in fact, if you really want to look at it in a perspective of it doesn't really matter at the end of the season who ended up being the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season because as long as you go 6-6 six and six or anything better than that, it was a successful season and you're all on board. But I'm telling you right now, folks, this is a weird thing that I'm seeing. Now, I'm not here to question the coaching staff at Arkansas just yet. I'm not here to freak out like some of you fans have done and saying that this just cannot stand. This cannot stand. He we he can't be naming the starting quarterback now. And if he's going to be naming it, it can't be Ben X. Can't be. It's got to be Nick Starkle. But it's not. And folks, I understand where you're coming from. Trust me, I do. But understand where I'm coming from here. And that, with Bendix being named starter, it kind of makes sense, at least in game one, because he is the guy that's been around the longest at Arkansas. He went through spring practice. He's been around Chad Morris the longest and has an understanding on stuff. We understand that. And it seems like he's just going to be the kind of guy that gets things going so Starkle can take over at some point in time in the season, which is fine. But here's the weird thing that I mentioned that is kind of still making me scratch my head a little bit on, the, on this whole process. You have a situation where Nick Starkle was taking the first team snaps and reps pretty much the majority of last week. There was an entire scrimmage that was dedicated to him taking the snaps as a first team quarterback. And even in the Beanie Bowl walkthrough, not that that matters, but even in the Beanie Bowl walkthrough, Starkle was the guy going out there first. And so with Hicks being named the starter, just makes me scratch my head a little bit of, okay, so what was all that about? Well, why was Starkle getting the majority of the reps with the ones throughout the whole time? Well, what gives? That's where my mind immediately went to, is if he's truly the better quarterback to get the start in game one against Portland State, then why was Hicks not getting all the first team reps? It just doesn't really make sense, at least in the times that we saw it. Now, again, I don't know what goes on beyond closed doors. We don't have a lot of access, but 
it's just kind of strange. So I've been thinking about this all afternoon and going it over in my head and trying to think of some sort of theory, some sort of spin that I can put on it to really make it sound ultra positive. Because you all know what the negative is. You don't need me to tell you what the negative is. It's very evident. You're very aware. So you don't need me to say that. So what could be the possible positive spin, positive reasoning behind Ben Hicks being named the starting quarterback game one against Portland State, while also explaining why Nick Starkle has got the majority of the first team reps, to our knowledge, in practice over the past week, week and a half. And this is what I came up with. I don't know if it's right, but it makes sense to me, and I'm kind of hoping this is the case. The reason that Ben Hicks was named the starter against Portland State and why he probably will play the majority of the game against Portland State is because they want to bring in Nick Starkle as a starter against Ole Miss and not give the Rebels any sort of film, any sort of idea what Nick Starkle is going to bring as the Razorback quarterback. That's my theory. I don't know if it's a good one. I don't know if there's any truth to it or not. But it kind of does make sense. Because listen, Ole Miss is playing Memphis game one. A Memphis team that's actually pretty good. Might even beat Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss is terrible. Arkansas is playing Portland State. They can still win with Ben Hicks being quarterback. Shoot, they could probably still win with John Stephen Jones or Jack Lindsay as the quarterback, and it not even be a problem. I'm hoping this is the method to the madness. That you're going to throw Ben Hicks out there, so that way if Ole Miss squeaks by Memphis, or dare I say loses to Memphis, and they have this big game at home against Arkansas, and they go to the film room, They see something that they can't prepare for. But if you're Arkansas, you see all the things that Ole Miss had going on against Memphis because they had to pull out all the stops. They had to rush out there, their number one guys and their number one playbook, because they know how important wins are, especially against a team like Memphis. So even though Hicks is named the starter, I still think Starkle will start the majority of the season. And I would even say, I would even think that he would start against Ole Miss in game two. It's not the end of the world, folks. I know it's a little weird. I know there's a lot of trust issues going on with the coaching staff with you, the fans, because let's be honest, two and ten. But if that theory of mine makes sense and actually is the legitimate reason behind it all, I kind of get it. I kind of understand it. But roll with Ben Hicks, see what he does against Portland State. Because who knows, folks, if he comes out and he does really well, runs the offense to a T, may feel a little better about it. But you hope that it doesn't matter who plays quarterback against Portland State. You hope that you dominate from beginning to end. And that's the point. Hey, the NFL season begins next week, which means Crossover Wednesday will be back on the Locked On Podcast Network. For the entire regular NFL season, you will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcast from, and be sure to not miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment, 
Crossover Wednesday. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. We had a fun little segment on the morning rush this morning talking about the uh, upcoming game against Portland State. Just a simply put of what would we like to see in game one? I mean, just a simple question. What would you like to see in game one? Now, obviously, we know who the starter is, so it makes it a little easier to kind of figure out as far as offensively. But to me, there's about two or three things that I want to see. It doesn't mean I'll get them, but I want them. First off, I want to see an offense that against a poor, poor team like Portland State, an offense that can go out, run the hurry-up, no-huddle offense to a T to where every player knows where they're supposed to line up, every player knows their assignment, the quarterback knows where to throw, the receivers know what route to run, the linemen know who to block, the running backs know what to do, Just where, and it's every play. Every play, they they go over and they get a 10-yard run by Rakeem Boyd and the sidelines holds up a sign of Captain Crunch and Iron Man and then they know where to line up. And they and immediately, like five seconds later, boom, ball snapped and they have another play going. And then they may get a three-yard gain on that, but that's okay because then they'll look over and they see another picture of Doc Holliday from Tombstone and then um, Mayor McCheese and then boom. They got the play, and then they run it again, and then it's going. So that's what I want to see. It's about having an offense that actually practices what's been preached by this coaching staff and Chad Morris. Full tilt boogie, hammer down, left lane, all that crap. That's what I want to see. I don't think that's too much to ask because, listen, even an offense that doesn't have a lot of talent, I'm not saying Arkansas doesn't, but even a team that doesn't have talent can run this offense. You just have to have the right mindset and the in the IQ to do it, which I think this team does. So just run the offense. I'm not saying you're going to go out and beat everybody with your offense because you're not as good talent-wise as other teams in the SEC. But you're far and away better than Portland State. And against Portland State, you should have no problem scoring the football. I want to see it. I want to see it smooth, clean, to the very finish. I don't think that's too much to ask. And on the other side of the ball, the other thing I want to see is the defensive linemen, specifically, getting pressure on the quarterback. What a concept, right? In college football especially, having a defensive line that is able to go up against Portland State and their offensive line and provide some pressure on the quarterback. Make them think. Make them run. Make them make mistakes. Hit him even though he's already gotten rid of the ball. Not saying get a penalty, but it's knock him to the ground. Make some plays. Get in his head a little bit. I want to see it. I know that that doesn't equate immediately to you're going to be doing that against SEC teams if you do it against Portland State. But freaking do it against Portland State because that's what you should be doing. That's what you need to be doing. Showcase that front line. If it's as good as what you've been saying, Steve Caldwell's a phenomenal coach. John Chavis is a longtime phenomenal coach. Show a little bit. Show some aggressiveness. Show some pressure. And show that you have made tremendous strides on the defensive front. Because, listen, I know the secondary is probably not going to be the best this year. I think it'll be better, and I think it'll be improved. But you don't need to have an elite secondary 
if you have a great defensive front that's getting to the quarterback. Can they do that against Portland State? Please, surely you can. Because if you don't, and if you can't, it's going to be a long, long, long SEC season going up against great offensive linemen with elite quarterbacks. It ain't going to be in the cards this year. So I want to see that. And and third and finally, the again, I could go on and on about things I actually want to see, but these are just the three things that I uh, really thought about and I really wanted to hammer the point home. Competent special teams. And I know this is not something that gets talked about, but maybe it should a little more. Can On kickoff, can you get the ball out of the end zone and get a touchback? On punts, can you punt it 40 yards at least every punt? Be accurate with it. On kick return, if you do have a chance to field it, can you get some yardage? On punt, can you make the right decision? And whether you fair catch it or whether you try to run with it. Can the gunners get down the field enough on punt defense? Can the kick offered or the kickoff team get down there in enough time in case they don't get it to the end zone? Or make smart plays, make tackles, don't have boneheaded moves. Special teams are very vital. Very vital. And you're going to be in some close games this year. And in some cases, special teams can be the difference in those close games. Can you actually do something about it this time? Can you win games with the battles of large chunks of land, however John L. Smith used to say it? Win those battles. It's pathetic how bad special teams has been for Arkansas. That's something that shouldn't be that difficult to really achieve, especially in this day and age. I mean, it's <laughs> it's special teams. You got to be special, as Houston Nutt used to say. All right, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. My bad. I don't want to coach uh, quote Houston Nutt on this podcast, but I'm done with that anyways. Uh, but those three things, I want to see it. I think I should be able to see it against Portland State, and if I don't see it. Mark me down is pretty concerned. Hey, the new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week is one of the most listened to NFL shows with the expert analysis from former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is hosted by those guys, and it's your daily national podcast on all things NFL, and it has Matt's unique take on the game. Be sure to follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You all know that uh, I like to do sometimes pop culture and some of the stuff that's going on with film and shows and all that. So I reserved this final segment for that because uh, I, you know, those of you who just want the sports, you can just listen to the first two segments and you'll get that each time from me. But, uh, you know, uh, Star Wars is very near and dear to my heart. I've always loved that movie and those movies, and for the most part. Of course, the original trilogy is the GOAT. Even the prequels, as poor as they were and in a lot of aspects, they still meant something to me. I still liked them. They just weren't to the extent of the originals. I thought that they went over the top with the CGI graphics and the terrible acting by poor Hayden Christensen was bad, and then the screenwriting and the script was bad. But the storyline was overall great. And you know how I have, if you've listened to this podcast, how I felt about some of the Disney Star Wars movies. I thought The Force Awakens was solid. It was good. It's kind of like a nice little, ha, ah, maybe, maybe just maybe this will really take off and go someplace. And maybe they're finally establishing it back to the way it used to be. 
And then they came out with Rogue One, and I was really happy. I was like, wow, this is a unique take on everything. Very familiar. Had some good fan service. I really liked it. I thought the storyline was pretty good. Kind of slow at times, but the story was good. And then they uh, came out with Solo, I think was the next one. And Solo was just, eh, to me. I didn't really want a Han Solo movie, especially uh, so soon after the other one. So I wasn't that big of a fan of it. And then The Last Jedi, Star Wars Episode Eight, was one of the most atrocious cinematic filth type of movies you'll ever see. I was just, I hate that movie more than anything. More than anything for many reasons. I don't want to get into that. But anyways, a new trailer, or at least a little sneak peek of the Star Wars Episode Nine came out. And uh, it has a little interesting twist on it, I guess. And I'll be fascinated to see you know, where it goes. But I'm still not happy. I'm still not happy with Disney and Star Wars. I think Disney has done some horrible things, like just just a few. I don't want. I know I could spend all day talking about this, but just a few to name a few things. You know, who asked for our favorite heroes from the original trilogy to be old failures? Like Han Solo was an old failure in this newest Star Wars franchise from Disney. Luke Skywalker was a failure. I mean, even Princess Leia to an extent was a failure. It's like what what happened here? Why did we? Who asked for this? Why are they making our favorite characters, the most iconic characters in all of Star Wars, failures? And they and they ruin that. And, and that's again, that's just one of many things. So I saw this trailer. Okay. You're still gonna have to do a lot. And I mean a lot to win me back, Disney. Not that you care about me. You should care about the dollars and cents, but there's a lot of people out there like me. So I'm somewhat curious. We'll see how it plays out in the rest of the trailers and script. I may not see it opening night. Uh, like I have in other times, but you know, it, it is what it is. I, Again, I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and Disney has royally screwed up so far. Hope they get it right, but with the nonsense that they've been putting out, I doubt that'll actually happen. So there's my two cents on the matter. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. And also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 